This is totally my first time, so if I'm like up or I'm on the up, it's totally fine. Totally I'll totally like hear me. Can you hear me loud enough? Because I have a lot of coffee this morning. I got on the flight really early. So, so uh, my name's Carrie, and uh, I'm going to be moderating this panel this afternoon. Um, up here on stage with me, I have Miss Bonnie Bird. And Hello. No, you don't. Maybe we just talk. Oh, okay. Miss <laughs> uh, Maureen Ellsbury and Miss Taffy Darling. And you, what do you want to go by in this panel? Uh, she normally goes by her Twitter panel, Evil Macaroo, uh, but her name's also Tiffany, so you can call her that. Each of these lovely ladies brings a different perspective from the geek industry. Am I being louder? Louder? Is that close enough? <laughs> Uh, each of these ladies brings a different perspective to the uh, table today, and they also have shared experiences. Uh, some of them cosplay, some of them bright, uh, some of them, well, hot, <laughs> alien, haunty things. Uh, and then, you know, you just do everything. All of the things. All of the things. That's what we decided when we, when we did our podcast, and so you just do all of the things. Um, so how many of you here work in the geek industry? Raise your hands. Yay! Oh, wow, that's quite that's a few. I'm kind of excited about this. Sweet. Um, and then how many of you want to work in a geeky industry? Yeah, all of the hands, all of them. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Um, so, I don't know, does anybody. Let's start with. Should we say what we do you here? You could start with what you do. Then. Uh, I don't know. Is that right? Okay. Um, I'm Bonnie Burton. Um, I uh, worked for Lucasfilm for 10 years as their senior editor at StarWars.com, and um, I also write Star Wars books and geeky books for kids, like the Star Wars craft book and how to draw Star Wars and things like that. Um, since Nashwitz happened, um, that's what we're calling the Disney Fire, and I don't know, that's probably not PC, but... Um, <laughs> Auschwitz. I don't know, that's horrible. Um, since they massively fired 80% of Lucasfilm, um, I actually still do Star Wars crafts. I bypassed all of Lucasfilm and now I work for Disney.com uh, doing Star Wars crafts for them as well. Um, but I also work for CNET.com covering geek pop culture and Playboy covering geek pop culture and SFX covering geek pop culture. So, um, yeah, it's like working for Disney and Playboy at the same time, definitely. It's interesting. There's no crossover there. There's no creepy crossover in there at all. Um, and I also write comics and uh, fiction and screenplay. So, I basically, when you're a writer, you say that, uh, yes to everything as far as that's sort of legal and on up. Um, to any writer project. So that's what I do. I also do a web series with Felicia Day uh, and Veronica Belmont and Ken Kiesby called Vaginal Fantasy Romance Book Club, where we just get wasted once a month and talk about romance books that have vampires and robots. And next month is Dinosaur Erotica. So please view us. We used to be on Geek and Sundry before Legendary Entertainment bought it, and they're kind of gross centric now and uh, scared of girls. So we are now VaginalFancy.com on YouTube. I mean, you guys on YouTube. It's not porn. It's really just drunk geek girls talking about... Half the time I take it over and talk about Benedict Cumberbatch, so I apologize. <laughs> um, but we are drunk, so there's entertainment there, and Felicia Day often says supernatural spoilers um, and tells us what 
uh, to see that pill smells like. So what about the segway? Yes. Well, I'm, I'm definitely not as cool as Bonnie. No, uh, uh, I'm, a, I'm a paranormal journalist. I starred on a uh, discovery show called Uncovering Aliens. It was on Animal Planet and uh, Science Channel and a bunch of others. And uh, I produced with this camera guy over here and uh, starred in a web series called uh, Spacing Out, which is all about UFO news. Now I've branched out, I'm working for To The Stars, which is Tom DeLong, who um, is Link-182, Angels and Airwaves, new company, writing weird news, and the weirder the better, of course. So, um, that's what I'm going to do. That's and, awesome. Uh, hey, it's fun. I get to uh, hunt aliens and boats for a living. It's kind of great. Captain Darling. Alright, uh, hey, I'm Dr. Darling. I am from Dallas, Texas. I do a web show out there. It's an all-girl round table where we uh, talk to creators and artists and review their comics. Um, also, I read and review comics uh, through various different websites. I'm not nearly as high profile as these girls are, uh, and I'm just happy to be here. Thanks! Yay! And she's drinking whiskey. Talk to me about the content I've created or if there's any sort of acknowledgement from the creator 
That's fine. So I do, you know, do that with the, uh, the cosplay. But again, I take a huge step back to focus on the uh, podcast. And I think the best part about that is uh, actually getting to talk to the creators of these comics and actually getting to pick their brains for like an hour. I'm a huge Kurt Russell fan. I'm obsessed with Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, all of the Kurt Russells. So uh, one of my favorite things that's come out recently is the Big Trouble in Little China comics. And so I literally got to spend 45 minutes geeking out with the writer, Eric Powell, who also does Uniqueness and other stuff. But getting to speak with Eric Powell, it was. Pretty much when you come on my show, it's like an hour of me kissing your ass and telling you how great you are. So no one ever really says no to that. So that for me, that's what the best yeah. part is, is to talk to these creators and getting to uh, know them just a little bit better and uh, be communicating with them. So Maureen, you do something a little bit different. So you get to you get to kind of go out and do TV shows and, and yeah. series and things like that. What's your kind of favorite part of all that? So I think my, I think my favorite is I'm kind of a glutton for punishment. So uh, the weirder, the better for me. And Getting to go out and do ghost hunting is so much fun. I mean, you're in a place that's allegedly haunted uh, in the middle of the night, and you know, sometimes some weird shit happens. So um, I think for, for me, that, that that's kind of intriguing. Is I like things that fascinate me that are unknown, and so finding out, you know, if I can. Find any sort of truth there is awesome, but uh, I yeah my favorite I guess is is doing the TV stuff. It, it's a, a really bittersweet world, but it's a lot of fun too. And so you're working sixteen hour days, but you're getting to film awesome things. So you guys are across all the time. Chewbacca worked in the cafeteria. <laughs> and we had like stormtroopers as security, and we had droids running around like cleaning like like astromech vacuum cleaners or something. And it's pretty boring. When you, I mean, Skywalker Ranch is beautiful, uh, and the studio where Lucasfilm is based uh, is great. But the only time you ever see people in costume is when they were doing you know premieres or fan events or things like that. But of course, the one time I invited my friends was the one time I didn't know we were doing a fan event. So when I told everyone that there weren't stormtroopers at the kiosk, they showed up at Skywalker and there were stormtroopers at the kiosk. So I really did for everyone. But uh, yeah, I'm sorry. What was your question? I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm lying. Your favorite part of the geek industry is uh, it's weird because I was part of the Lucasfilm family for a decade, and then 
now I work from home writing books and freelance writing, which I think a lot of you probably would be interested in because freelance writing is like the easiest way to sort of get your foot into geek culture and get paid for it, aside from maybe original creations for YouTube shows or um, possibly getting an internship at an entertainment or gaming or comic book company that you like. Um, for me now, it's most of my job involves around me binge-watching television while trying to meet deadlines for CNET and my agent calling me and me avoiding my agent and my dog looking at me like I'm insane. So, uh, a lot of freelance writing means you're not going to be around people and conventions means you get to be social again. So, that's kind of what the life is like for a geek freelancer. Um, if you want to get into writing or web shows or any or podcasting, I mean, the cool thing now is, with, especially with podcasting and web shows, you don't need permission. You can just freaking do it. And same thing with comics, just do it. Um, the great thing is, Marvel, DC, Fantagraphics, um, every comic book company, every entertainment company, every video game company is eager and desperate to find talented people, to find people that can tell good stories, people that know how to draw, people that know how to animate, people who aren't afraid to be in front of the microphone. And so they're trolling YouTube. Trolling is probably the bad word to use. Uh, they're scouring YouTube and podcasts and conventions looking for uh, employ like potential employees. So this is a great place to be just to network. This is a great place for you to find friends and future friends to do things with. And um, don't think the entertainment industry is hard to get into, because if I can get into it, literally anyone can. Um, and it's just, you have to be positive, uh, persistent, and don't give up on yourself. So and how, did, how did you get in? Because then Bonnie was talking about how she's pretty old and kind of breaking to it and all these things. How did you get, because yours is a little bit different. You're like on TV, so that's, that's a little bit well, exactly like she said, um, I kind of fell into the industry a little unconventionally boring, um, but I was doing a web series and it was totally stupid, but I loved oh, it. Uh, but, but that's the thing is, is networks were trolling the web series, they were trolling YouTube, and so I started getting uh, production companies calling me left and right for, to be honest, you know, uh, to be young, female, and in the UFO industry, which is what my main focus was at the time, is very rare. And to not be like, psycho, yeah, psycho or, you know, like a control. Um, and so I started getting phone calls on the right, I interviewed, and then I, I got on the show I did. Um, so it just all kind of happened organically a little bit, but at the same time it was persistence. And I think Bonnie makes the great point of if you do want to get into this industry, it's all about making yourself visible publicly online, which is a really scary place, um, but in a positive way. Be yourself. That's the biggest thing. Be yourself. Uh, write a blog. Videos, podcasts, whatever. That's where you get it. It's easy to do, you just have to put the time in. Do you feel like you're kind of like the token female on the things that you did? Like they just kind of watch you in the well, Or did they like genuinely want your talents? I, I, I did feel a little bit like that, but then I did learn that they understood.
understood that I was very knowledgeable in the subject. So, um, and that was a big thing to get over. It's, it's, I know what I'm talking about. I'm not just a face for TV, you know, or, or a girl. Because I, the show I was on was three old dudes in me. So, uh, Why do they call it that? I know, right? It, it was the Finding Bigfoot for aliens. Uh, exactly, almost. There was three crazy dudes in me. Um, but, you know, it, it's an experience, and I grew up with four older brothers as the only girl. For me, it's not like that big of a deal to do. But it was a huge thing where um, it's noticeable that women aren't that and so I kind of felt like I had to fight a little more. But, it's off. I know most of you do some form of podcasting. Mm -hmm. How many people in the audience do like podcasts or do you do? How many want to? Do it. Just do it. Just do it. <laughs> you don't need our permission. Just do it. In fact, start now. You can do it right when you're doing it. And we didn't have YouTube in the beginning. We had this, this thing called Zines, and that's how we sort of got our start. And then we just uh, encroached on every medium we could get our hands on. YouTube is brilliant because it's so easily accessible. You have instant viewership. There's always going to be geeks out there that want new video shows. It doesn't matter. Like, I remember, so I'm friends with Will Wheaton, and I remember when he started Tabletop, he didn't think anyone would watch. It's like, I don't know, it's board games. Tabletop is like one of the number one shows on YouTube right now. It's definitely the number one show on Geek and Sundry. And it's just him playing video games with his friends. And granted, his friends have to be Karen Gillian and Seth Green and famous people. And then I bribed him to be on there. But um, I will say that, you know, when you three years ago or four years ago, you wouldn't have thought a show about playing board games would be successful on YouTube, but yet it is. So it doesn't matter. Whatever you're passionate about and it shows on camera, that's what you should be doing, whether it's a podcast, YouTube, comic, scene, whatever. It doesn't matter. Just do something. You don't need our permission. Just do it. I've always kind of been just like that girl that, you know, oh, you girl, you deserve 
and I did, you know, webcasts. I was always just a girl in this group. I was the girl that broke from this, you know, guy-centered side. Uh, eventually, I was given the opportunity, hey, do you want your own show? Yes, I want my own show. Give it to me. And so I took it, and then it just kind of got really good ratings, got really good uh, feedback, got support. Uh, and eventually, I didn't want to be tied to me. Anybody else, I wanted to do it myself. So uh, I left the studio and I invested a lot of money into my own equipment and I taught myself how to do all the, uh, the software. And from there, I just started booking you know, guests who I would never even think would be interested. But after them seeing the stuff I did previously, they were like, Yeah, we totally did what you're doing. And I'm like, Holy crap, you guys are actually interested in it. And uh, also being knowledgeable around a bunch of guys uh, helps as well. And I think that's just kind of. I don't really, you know, know how I'm how I'm here sometimes. Uh, I just know that you know that I work really hard and I just put myself out there and uh, I'm passionate about everything that I do and say. And I there's, I, you know, I'm sure because I'm not fake, but there's there's nothing faux about me. Anytime you see me cry or get excited or mad or, or whatever, it's all real. It's all about having passion. My boyfriend likes to say I, you know, batshit crazy. I just say I'm, you know, batshit passionate about everything, and I think that is really kind of uh, what I have going for me. Hashtag that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, uh, somebody, I had a couple questions that kind of came in from Twitter. Um, somebody was asking, what advice would you give a father of, he's a particularly a nine-year-old girl, but I mean, really any, any age would be appropriate, to not only foster her interests, but to protect her from some of the negative things. Okay, so, <clears throat> so, Unfortunately, this year was the year of Gamergate, and uh, I, I, it's funny because I know the FBI very well now, um, because I've gotten death threats and what have you, and, it, and I'm not even a real famous person, and that happened to me, so um, the advice I would give, well, first of all, the advice I give everyone, and I wish I would follow it, is don't read the comments, <laughs> so if you do a YouTube show, if you write a blog, if you... I mean, it's good to, if you need to read the comments to see what feedback is like. I'm one of those people that actually does want to interact with my readers or viewers. I only uh, respond to positive comments. So if someone is sending negative comments, I just pretend I never saw it. I just, yeah. Denial is a fun little river to, to wade in. So just pretend that you never saw those negative comments and just ignore them. You're more than welcome to block and mute people on Twitter and all your social media. You don't have to listen to negativity. Um, so I only respond to positive. It's kind of like when you train a dog. You only give treats when they do good things. So I uh, only give treats to people who say nice things to you um, in life, in general. Um, the thing is, when, especially when you're nine or in junior high age, you're, you're already you're have self-doubt. You're already going to have hormones raging through, you're always going to have ego issues and deal with who you are and trying to find out who you are. I mean, I mean I'm still trying to figure out who I am. The biggest uh, advice you can give a parent is be supportive of your kid, no matter how wackadoodle idea they've got for a web series, comic, whatever, support them. Uh, don't tell them they can't be an artist, they can't be a writer, they can't be an actor. Just let them do that and support them and let them know that there are ways to do this and be a rent at the same time eventually so they don't live with you until they die. But um, that's like a, you know, your sentiment about just not reading the comments I mean, yeah. across the board is I've asked each one of you, you know, when we're doing a podcast together, you know, the same exact question. And I think that was kind of across the board. Just everybody said just don't read the comments and don't take them apart. And don't even respond. Yeah. It's really just like, don't feed the trolls. I mean, 
Like, even if you respond to them in a negative way or a way that, you know, hey, that's not cool, you're still feeding them. Like, to pretty much, like, make them absolute and to just ignore them is the worst possible thing you can do. Because these people are wanting to get some sort of emotion, wanting to get some sort of, like, angriness from you. Be like, ha, I pushed your button. And the best thing you can do is not even to delete the comment, just to just skip over it and go to the next person right underneath them. You give them just the longest comment in the world. And then the person above is like, hey, what about me? And it's like, you know what? What about you? You're not important. You know, you're being an ass. So just, seriously, don't, don't feed the trouble. And, and that's a good thing, too. And this is something you have to learn when you're kind of in this field is I'm a sarcastic person. So sometimes it's, it's hard not to feed the trouble sometimes. So I used to make comments. Um, apparently, this is how frank of an industry I'm in. Um, people think I'm literally a reptilian alien that's set on dominating the world. And um, they try to attack me on YouTube, and as well as, as Jason over here. And um, so they, they threaten me, like threaten my life. I've gotten death threats. And I used to respond and say, oh, you got me. Yeah, funny. And then there were more people chiming in and saying, uh, we can't wait till your cold blood runs through the streets. And all <laughs> it, was, it was terrifying, and I realized, all right, no sarcasm, don't respond to the trolls at all. Not eh, don't be funny. No, it's they're terrible people, and so just ignore them. And you know what? You're gonna find that in the long run, there's a lot more positive than there is negative. The negative obviously stands out, so it tends to feel like a lot dragging you down, but you're in the coolest industry in the world. You're doing the coolest things, and these people, like she said, are, are, are a little bit jealous, probably, and are trying to drag you down when, it, when in fact, you're not doing anything wrong, you're, you're being awesome. So. so, do you guys have any particular questions for anybody? Yeah, go for it. I, I don't have an answer mic, so you just over it. Oh, that's okay. Actually, 
cattiness comes in the industry. I mean, that's in any. I mean, that's in the entertainment industry. I think it's any industry where women are not necessarily the norm in that industry. You're going to feel like a glass ceiling situation. Not only there's a glass ceiling, you feel like there's only a few seats at the table for women. It's a total misnomer. I think a lot of it's just insecurity. A lot of women on women hate in the geek industry or in general just happens because of insecurities. And like exactly what she said, if you find women that are positive in your life, basically keep them in your circle. As far as I'm concerned, I always, every year, um, I try to find one female artist, one female writer that I mentor every year. And I try to get them an agent, I try to get them a book deal, I try to get them a comic book deal. I don't care if I don't even have a book deal, I will try to help them. And I think that's the same like if you have a web show, you know, have other ladies on. If you have a podcast, have other ladies on. And there's nothing against the guys either. I think it's all inclusive, but when it comes to women, on women hate in the geek community, especially when it comes to real geeks versus faux geeks, which is full crap, because we're all geeks, doesn't matter. Um, you just kind of have to put your own securities aside and know that no matter who this person is, male or female, whatever, whatever walk in life, you can learn something from even the jerkiest jerkwad. So just make sure that if you have positive people in your life, you reward them, and if you have negative people in your life, cut them out. Can you get that? Hold on, Tiffany, you look like you really want to... Oh, okay. Yeah, and you know talented people, you get them in connection with other talented people, 
and it comes back. It's like a pay-forward situation. So you just have to know this is a community. People know each other, they talk about each other, and it's not all negative, and it can be positive, and it can help your career while you're helping other people's careers as well. So we have questions. Shy. Shy. Any little girls in the audience want to ask any of these lovely ladies questions? Doesn't matter. I mean, how many of you, how many of you uh, write comics? How many of you want to write comics? So I was part of a project called Womenology, which was a Kickstarter project. It was trying to get young women uh, connected with women in the industry, like Gail Simone and Trina Robbins and other comic book artists and writers. It was super successful that we did a second run as well. And it was one of those projects that I never really read. I'm, I'm a huge reader and consumer of comics, but I never really wrote comics, and it got me into it. And the biggest advice I can give to anyone who wants to get into comics, again, is just do it. Um, the internet's great for web comics, and that's a great way to get your start as well. Conventions are brilliant. If you're a writer and you are looking for a good artist, walk around Artist Alley here and see the kind of art that you would love to see in a comic and talk to these artists, see if they would be interested in doing just something on spec, something on a web comic. Um, Oni Press right now, uh, they're having an open call for all new writers and artists that can pitch stuff to them. So if you like Oni Press, check them out right now. They have an open call. And I will say right now is open call for NBC. So if you're a scriptwriter and you want a TV show or you think there should be something on NBC, spec scripts, they're accepting them right now. Just type in NBC spec script at Google and you can find the information. Same with Oni. So right now is a great time if you're a geek and you want to get together with an artist or a writer, if you're an artist, Cons are the best place, DeviantArt is the best place, Etsy is a great place to find artists. Um, writers are always on Twitter because we procrastinate, use social media to not write when we're supposed to be. So there's plenty of places, so if you're a writer looking for artists, if you're a screenwriter looking to be mentored, just talk to people and start conversations, and even if you're shy, Going up to someone at Artist Deli saying, I really like your art. Artists love compliments. Writers love compliments. We will not push you away and go, oh my god, you're weird. We'll be like, please tell us more. Why do you like us? This is the great place to network. So please don't be shy and just start talking to people you've never met before. And this is a great way to network and use the internet to your advantage and social media to your advantage. And, so I got yeah. another cup of the, I'm bored. I'm bored today. <laughs> Um, there's another question that came in through Twitter, and I don't know. Okay, so first, that, that says, uh, so what do you think about a large establishment using Kickstarter to celebrate planned releases? This is about the recently Archie comic. Yeah, I that. Here's the thing I think if you've got enough money to put out something, you should be crowdfunding in general. But I can see why they would want to do that because I think with them it was more along the lines that they wanted to have enough money to where they could put their books in Walmart, which apparently would give them their own slot. And they were having all these high name profiles. They had Adam Hughes who was going to write Betty and Veronica, which is still going to happen, by the way, even though it didn't get funded. Adam Hughes is still going to be writing and drawing Betty and Veronica. And for me, that's freaking amazing. Chip Zarsky is going to be doing a Jughead comic, which is amazing. So I think uh, if you've got the money, I think it's it, it's poor and it shows uh, it shows that you're uh, lacking the class that you're going to be asking for fans to have money when it takes you know people who work hard who may not have much money to spend four or five dollars on that comp to, to do it. But if you have a really good cause and you're broke, 
you can find people who believe in you who are willing to help you out, and I think that's cool. But uh, regarding that question, I think if you've got the money as a big publisher uh, and you're doing a Kickstarter, I think that's kind of a shame on you type thing. I will say the one exception that I love is if you're an independent artist, the music industry, the entertainment industry can be really hard to negotiate to do your own vision. And there's always a producer that gives you notes. There's always a network that gives you notes. There's always a record label that says, hey, can you look a little sluttier? Or, hey, can you use this demographic? Or, hey, maybe you should not talk about political stuff. Amanda Palmer is a great example of someone who used Kickstarter crowdfunding to do what she wanted to do. Um, and the music industry is brutal. So that's not exactly geek industry, but it is entertainment industry, which is hard. I don't necessarily think Zach Graff doing Garden State Part 2 on Kickstarter was needed, because he's got plenty of friends that probably would have given him money. Um, other situations, for Kickstarter, the only thing I fund um, I fund weird stuff, so like I funded the crop circle towels that were like towels that look like crop circles. I'm totally down with that. I will totally dry off with crop circles. Uh, but I always go for anyone who's never done a project before, I will fund it. I don't necessarily go for celebrity projects because I feel like they're fine without my $20. But if it's some kid in the middle of nowhere who's doing a comic or somebody that's you know, doing a really cool, like, let's say, you know, pro-gay, like, webcast, and they're in the middle of a, a country that does not promote gay rights, I will totally give them money, but I don't necessarily, I'm kind of in the same boat, like, if, it, if I know you've got rich friends, yeah, I'm probably not going to give you money. Archie's been around for a very long time, I don't think they're hurting for money, so If, if Archie can do Alien vs. Predator comics on their own, they don't they need money. Which are awesome, by the way, yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so it is a lot of effort, and just putting on one is, is 
lot of time. Um, but for me, it was kind of easy because I just got to go in and sit down and, and say, this week, you were good. It was I'm so glad I said articles and not vaginal fantasy romance book club because that's literally <laughs> five minutes to pick out which wine. Yeah, that's you're just like, I'm gonna log in, let's just talk. Basically, <laughs> you spend a month reading two books and then four girls get on Google chat wasted talking about why vampire sex is better than robot sex. I mean, that's <laughs> it's not a lot of preparation. Articles are different because journalism is weird. I've done it for so long that I can kind of write articles in my sleep. Thing that takes the longest for me are books. And the reason books take so long, whether you're doing fiction or nonfiction, is first of all, you have to stop procrastinating. I think that's the one thing that most writers have the biggest problem with. It's not that we have self doubt necessarily, or even, uh, you know, basically self abuse, which some of us do, uh, as far as, you know, where we basically do anything but write, uh, or if we have writer's block. The problem um, for me, too, is I have so many great ideas for books. I'm really good at pitching ideas that my agent loves that I pitch ideas. But then you have to do book proposals. If you're not doing fiction, you're doing nonfiction. And a book proposal is kind of like an audition for a publisher. We have to write not only why you should be writing this book. So I'll give a perfect example. So uh, I've done mostly kids' books, but my agent got adventurous and said I was a writer for hire. So this publisher asked me to write a naughty craft book, which is for bachelor and bachelorette parties. So I'm mostly doing crafts that I can't share with my family because they'll disown me. So one of them is a large uh, penis that I made uh, out of a cat scratching post. So it's a cat scratching post penis for this craft book. And now I've probably lost five people off of Twitter to say that. But uh, so I have to explain why this book would do well. I have to say what demographic. I have to say what like competing books are to do. So, so I'll say with like the Star Wars craft book, it took three years. It took one year of a contract negotiation. And the second year was back and forth of what was going to be. Uh, the original Star Wars craft book had 100 crafts, and it got boiled down to I think 30, um, basically because the book would have been like a $100 craft book, so they didn't want that. Uh, and then the next part is just making the crafts. Um, when I did the comic book mythology, it took me uh, about six months going back and forth with the artist, deciding what we were going to do. That's more collaborative because you're working with an artist. And now that I'm doing fiction, it's much more kind of your own thing. And that's even harder because you're putting your heart and soul into fiction. It's your own creation. So it's almost like having a baby. You don't want anyone to abuse it. So you're very careful about it. You're protective about it. Um, so with fiction, it's even more of yourself and more of your soul and more of a kind of a chance to get it projected on three or four different levels. So it's like you, it takes a while to put yourself out there as far as getting stuff done. I will tell you a secret, most children's authors are raging alcoholics. Uh, we have a problem with drinking heavily and then trying to write kids' books. It's kind of like that episode of Black Books with Dylan Moran. I don't know if you've ever seen Black Books. It's on Netflix if you haven't. He's a drunk that tries to write a children's book about a butterfly and then they decide in the end waste and they can't do it because it will ruin their lives because it will be too successful. Um, which I sometimes feel like. So the problem is not just procrastination and self-doubt, but it's also like you actually just have to write. 
So any budding authors or journalists out there who are worried about writing, just write, just write. The more you write, the better you'll be. Um, Fantastic. You, you do podcasts. So how long does it take you to like record, render, um, well, we record once a week, and um, we do different episodes. Like, we do a flash recap every week. I mean, flash has been like the most amazing show that's been on in a while. And we also do the same thing with Daredevil. And those tend to go a little bit longer the more we enjoy them because we want to talk about everything. So, usually I try to cap it off about 45 minutes because obviously people tend to kind of shut things out after that time. Uh, so, it takes me about 45 minutes to record the episode, and as far as ending it, um, it can be anywhere from one to two hours, depending on how my Mac decides it wants to either reboot or restart or it has something it has to update. So that's highly frustrating when you have all this stuff and you forget to save, so sometimes that's tricky. Um, but the whole process itself can go anywhere from like, you know, three to four hours uh, of, you know, filming, editing, watching, is everything okay, re-editing, re-watching, no, I sound like an idiot, let me go ahead and cut that out, let me go ahead and re-put it up there. And so it, it, it does vary. But uh, I mean, we have videos that are like 15 minutes long, and I'm just like, yeah, it's fine. I'll put that there. Sorry. 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 Google's a little secret if you want to do a show, show and you have zero ego and you don't care how bad it is. Google Hangout's awesome because you can do Google Hangout live show. This is what we do for Fashionable Fantasy Romance Book Club. We'll do a Google Hangout for an hour and a half where we basically barely talk about the book we're supposed to be talking about, and mostly we just talk about shows and stuff we like about that are. Jensen ankles of like clothes or you know cinnamon because he's supernatural. Anyway, uh, yeah. so the cool thing is it's live, which is also scary if you're scared about ruining your reputation across the board. But if you're not, you just do Google Hangout Live and then it instantly goes on YouTube as soon as you're done as a recorded show and you don't have it to edit. But if you're a professional like the rest of these people on the panel. Uh, and you want to look good and not worry about you forgot you said something and now it's live and you can never take it back, then you probably should do editing. But if you don't care about editing, Google Hangout does have that option where if you want to interview someone or just talk with your friends about cool shows, it instantly is live and then it goes on YouTube as a recorded show. Alright, so that's, uh, we're unfortunately out of time. And so you can find all of these fabulous women on Twitter and if you want to poke at them and ask them more questions, you are more than welcome to do so. So I want to Thank you guys so 